Welcome back to season two of The Protectors. Today, incredible guests. You've seen them all over social media, which it kind of seems like one of those weird things because he seems like such a, uh, a, not a social media type person, but you see him on there because he has a great message and he's trying to spread that message out to the world. And especially those of us in the LEO tactical emergency responder world who kind of put um, or have put their lives on the line. Um, two from Ronin Tactics. Let's welcome him. What's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thank you for inviting me. I love this, man. We um, I wanted to start off saying you and I had, uh, it was probably the first time I ever did a pre-interview where we actually talked last week. And I planned on just talking to you for a few minutes. I think we ended up talking for about 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, it's just, it's nice to, to just sit back and think about leadership and and introspection and meditation and everything, man. I really appreciate that. You know, you know, Bruce Lee talks about, you know, the, the world is your teacher, right? The martial arts, the world is your teacher. The military has taught us so much, you know, in, in planning, in intelligence, in life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know how to translate that, you know, into the civilian world. Yeah, it's the absolute truth. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but not everybody knows how to translate that. And it's a good message that we need to get out there because without true leaders, um, people can get hurt and people can get killed. Absolutely. So, you know, we got to do the 30 second back brief on, on who you are and I'll, I'll lead into it. Um, grew up in a different country and then you had to flee that country, uh, Vietnam. And, uh, and it was tough. And we, we, that was one of our discussions. I mean, a lot of times people want to know about your backstory. Uh, I think your backstory is out there a lot, but if you want to give us like your, your 30,000 foot overview, that'd be, that would great help for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to read more details, you can go to veteran project group um, and, and read more about my life in detail. Um, I was born in Saigon, Vietnam uh, during the war. I was born in December 74. Saigon fell to the communist regime in April 75. Um, after the fall of Saigon, uh, our country, you know, our people, the South Vietnamese were oppressed. My uncles were uh, drug out in the streets because they worked with the Americans during the war. And when Americans pulled out, um, my uncles were drug out in the streets, shot. Some were in prison in re-education camps, which were torture camps. Um, we, we escaped on a wooden fishing boat uh, with my mother and my brother and my uh, biological father. Uh, we escaped um, and made our way into a refugee camp where we stayed for roughly a year and a half um, before we got accepted to America. My aunt married an American Special Forces lieutenant. Uh, he was injured during the war, so he was evacuated back to the States um, he served out the rest of his career, retired uh, as a colonel with the First Special Forces Group. Uh, he was able to sponsor our paperwork uh, and get us over to the United States. Um, I think what's significant about the story is that, you know, we landed in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Anybody who's kind of been in the military understands that, you know, uh, Fort Bragg is one of the biggest 
military army bases in the United States and home of special operations. Um, my mother eventually remarried to an American Special Forces uh, Green Beret. And uh, at eight years old, I find myself uh, kind of indoctrinated into, um, you know, that lifestyle, you know, understanding the culture, the sensitivity, uh, the complexity of their missions. You know, at 11 years old, I, I knew, you know, that was my that was my direction that I wanted to to push towards, mostly because, you know, my family and, and I were oppressed. We, you know, we escaped Vietnam. Uh, we, many times we, we could have died. So I, I knew this growing up and I also knew the, the mission of the special forces to be able to go into these foreign countries and to free those oppressed. So because of my stepfather and my uncle, they gave me a snapshot of what, you know, the Green Berets were and at 11 years old, you know, I knew that's why I wanted. So uh, 18, you know, back then it was a direct hire onto the special forces. Uh, back in 93. Um, so I went to a second. Uh, okay, too. I got to I got to stop you right there, because one thing about your livelihood and you and I are roughly around the same age. I'm a little bit older, but you have to remember that back in the 80s and someone who's 10 or 11 years old in the 80s, this is like, you know, we just came out of Vietnam, essentially. So it's not like life was easy being from uh, Vietnamese and living in the United States at the time. So you did have to go through your childhood wasn't as smooth as a lot of people. And I'm sure that has changed your worldview as far as being more um, open to different nationalities, open to different livelihoods, open to different worldviews. I mean, I think that's kind of, you think that would have been one of the reasons you kind of went towards the special forces because their mission as a whole has always kind of been that foreign internal defense and more than the direct action. The passion side of it really intrigued me. You know, the war actually, you know, during the war is the direct action side. But what I love Mm -hmm. about the Green Berets is that, you know, it is just that, you know, it is force multiplying, it is intelligence Mm -hmm. multiplying, it's operational prep. There's so many, there's seven core missions of the Green Berets, you know. But I want to touch on this, Jason. You know, growing up in the 80s, I talk about racism. You know, yeah. I, I talk about that that hate, you know, the energy of hate. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't, we, we've seen it throughout history. You know, racism, uh, yep. you know, the, uh, the rights movements, you know, the equal rights movements and everything that shaped our country in America. And you know what America is, is that's what it is, man. It's, it's a it's, it's a pool of different cultures in America, you know, in, in one country. There's a lot of um, cultures, a lot of uh, different customs in, in our in our country. But growing up in the 80s, you know, after post-Vietnam, I mean, Jason, you know, the Vietnam War was not a popular mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's where the whole uh, the, the news reporters started coming in, where they had full access to the war yep. and they exposed the war. They exposed, you know, the, uh, I mean, the terrorizing war, you know, and and I tell you, it wasn't a popular war. When I grew up in the 80s, you know, I was, man, I was picked on every day. You know, just because I looked different, I was called by more names than I care to even remember. And, you know, it, it came from people that didn't understand the war. 
you know, they call me all these communists. They call me North Vietnamese. They call me Charlie, but they don't understand it was the North Vietnamese that took my freedoms away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I grew up to that. I grew up to that hatred. But one thing I want to say to to your viewers is this. You know, growing up in the 80s and facing racism, escaping Vietnam, you know, and barely, barely surviving in a refugee camp. What that did for me was build strength. Yep. You know, it, it built the strength that I needed to look past, you know, all the hate, you know, all the the naysayers that saying I can't and I won't because I'm not good enough because I'm not American. And um, I look past all that. And um, and that's the energy that I drew from it. You can victimize yourself. Or you can mm-hmm. take that and you can get back up and you can and you can gather your strength and move on, you know. And that's what I learned growing up. Yeah, I'm not going to beat you up too much about your childhood, but you know, me growing up, you watch the Rambo too, you watch Missing in Action, uh, you watch Platoon, you watch everything in the '80s was like Vietnamese were evil, and a lot of people couldn't a lot of kids couldn't distinguish between North and South Vietnam and about why we were there. Um, why a lot of us, a lot of soldiers were there, uh, wasn't, you know, clear cut. Yeah. And yeah, man, I can, I can only imagine what it was like. Uh, you and I both talked about how it was back then about, and how life has changed and how really the civil rights movement, wasn't that long ago <laughs> and you know uh full-blown racism wasn't that long ago like outspoken racism and we're finally you know i'd say a lot of us in the world and well at least in, in our world are trying to get over that and trying to find the balance of okay this person may have had really bad ideas but they don't want any more but can i trust them that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, being in the army, I saw the extremes of that. You know, I, I've been in mm-hmm. seven countries. And, you know, I could tell you in certain portions of Africa and Asia, they're still killing people off of religious beliefs, you know, off of yep. tribal uh, affiliations, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, they oppress their people and, and everything. So what I'm saying to you is it's not far fetched. It still yeah. happens, you know, and uh, in America, it's still happening. It's just that, uh, you know, we're not, we're, we're kind of putting a top on it, but it's still happening. Racism, my gosh, man, I'm on social media. I know, you know, I, I, get, I get hate messages from these, you know, race, racist people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't let it interfere with me because, and I didn't let it interfere with me growing up and I'm a lot stronger than, than a child now. So my, my views on things and hate is, man, that's your, that's your problem, not mine, you know, and I don't live my life with hate. Well, you know, Ronan, it, it almost seems like it's introspective. It's, it's more inside yourself. You're kind of a lone person, but I think, you, you know, you may be a warrior. You may be a world traveler. You may be retired special forces, but you do, give more out than a typical Ronin. You do have the training programs. You do have gear. You are helping more than what I would assume a typical Ronin would be. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to, one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you today is because 
we're, we're moving on to that point where we, we want to help other people. And you also want to help those that are putting their lives in that arena where they could die. Um, let's talk about that. When did you start? I know, obviously, you've been training your whole career, your whole life, probably, uh, whether that's martial arts, whether it's military, whether it's tactics, whether it's going to training academies. When did you start Ronin tactics? You know, I, I tell you, Jason, Ronin, man, was a, a path to healing for me. You know, mm-hmm. it started off like that. You know, in the teachings of samurais and teachings of where past words we write down, you know, the, the lesson of life, you know, and through this lesson of life, when, when I got out, you know, I was lost, man. You know, I was, you know, I was lost in, in life and purpose. You know, when you see the world and you, you kind of feel the sufferings of the world and you mm-hmm. see people still being enslaved, you ask yourself, did you do it up? You know, you ask yourself that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, you know, I was injured a lot. In, in the special forces, I, I fought 14 and a half years of conflict and war with 23 years of service. And, yeah. and, and I tell you, I was injured a lot, man. And I was lost uh, at one point. Ronin was my way back. And it was through the teachings of Misashi Miyamoto, the Book of Five Rings. It was the teachings that look for strength within. You know, you must look for strength within. Don't don't look anywhere else. And I tell you, Jason, at the time I was looking for, man, I was looking for strength everywhere else, but within. You know, mm-hmm. I asked my father, hey, how did you do it, man? How did you get over it? How I would call my teammates just to check up on him. It was really about me trying to find my yep. way. Again. And I tell you, when I read, when I reread the book of five rings, you know, the first time I read it when I was 13. Didn't understand a word of it, you know, didn't understand any of it because I didn't understand, you know, life yet, you know. And then when when I got out of the military, I picked up the book. Every word resonated with me. You know, it, it resonated with me so much that I became Ronin. You know, I became the modern day Ronin and I flew to Japan three years ago and meditated in the cave that Misashi Miyamoto the Book of Five Rings. You know, and it, it, it was that spiritual connection with the warrior path was what kind of uh, spearheaded the Ronin. So in the, the teachings of Bushido, you know, the teachings of the way of the warrior, Bushido broke down three syllables. Bo in Japanese means to intercept the spirit, to stop evil, to go to war. She is the one who is strong enough to walk the, the path, the way. And Do is, well, that's the evolution I'm in right now, is to give back. Is to give back to the world, to better world, to make this world a better place, you know, through the teachings or whatever, you know, and I knew what I'm good at, you know, and that's the thing is when you know what you're good at, then you can give, right? So I knew I had a experience uh, in, in, in certain arenas, and I can give that to our, our civilians. I can give it to our fellow Americans. I can give it to our law enforcement officers and military. And maybe they can find their path. You know? I like that. I like how you brought up the uh, being lost. And, you know, when I got back from the war, I did not see action. I mean, I, I was an IR guy that got recalled. Um, and 
as an infantry officer, uh, was attached to special ops as their anti-terrorism officer. But I felt a, such a guilt when I got back that, you know, I, I wasn't LEO at the time. I, you know, I was doing a lot in the civilian world. But when I went to war, it wasn't what I expected because I didn't have control over my career. I didn't have control. They just kind of threw me at the wall and hope I caught. And when I got back, I felt guilt. And I still feel it. And I, I kind of was always like, you know, what is going on? You know, I could do everything I can in the law enforcement world. And at the time I was, I was, uh, my, my career has, has since been, uh, you know, I'm at the end of it, but yeah, man, it, it's this sense of almost like a guilt that you want to, did I do enough? Yeah. Could I do something else? Absolutely. And what kind of person do you want to be in life? You know, who do you want to live and die as? Because, you know, I have a, a really good friend of mine and she's a nurse. And I asked her, I said, what is, you know, you deal with life and death every day. You deal with, you know, people dying. And I said, mm -hmm. what's the biggest regret? What, what is the biggest thing? She goes, every single time, every single time, she said that they didn't live a life that was true to themselves. This means that they listen to the opinions of somebody else. They, they, they question yeah. their own abilities because of somebody's judgment on them. You know, it, you know, Jason, it takes true strength, man. It takes true strength and not and not strength just found in the warrior world. It takes courage, not found on battlefields, to walk your true path in life. Because mm -hmm. I and like, you know, I was, you know, I fought wars, you know, I've been in gunfights. And I tell you, it was a different courage when I got out. Yeah. You know, it was a different courage because man, you know, in war, you can look at your teammates and you're not gonna let them down. Right. So you, you're taking this external uh, situation. Right. And you're applying it to inside. But when 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 other, everybody judges you and they question who you are and they doubt you, whatever, whatever it is. Do you have the strength inside to look past that and believe in yourself? Because that's the key, you know, to man to life right you and i we talked about like you know we talked about stress management we talked about you know how to apply yeah. you know uh every day is a battle right so you know people always say oh mm -hmm. i'm not happy i'm frustrated in my life well what are you doing every single day of your life to commit to happiness because happiness don't just happen you know, I don't care how rich you are. Have, I have. Yeah, exactly. That, that's one of the things we talked about. And one point we brought up was meditation and how important that is to your life and how when you meditate, you could really dig deep inside you. Um, me, I, I take a little different approach because I haven't gotten to meditation yet because I will now because after our conversation last week and today is finding you know, I'll take a walk, I'll, uh, you know, before I used to drive, now we're kind of not doing that, and just be able to really think without hesitation, without anything holding me back, without social media, without phones, without computers. Yeah. Has, yeah, how, when does meditation start with you? Um, Post-war, I had a lot of uh, energy inside of me. And when I say energy is anybody in this, this falls with any, all your viewers, it doesn't have to be war. 
It's any traumatic experience that happened to you in the past. Well, when you think about something that happened in the past, well, that's usually tied to emotion, right? And that emotion is going to send chemicals in your brain and it's going to send those chemicals through your body, Uh acting in stress or whatever, depression or whatever it is. See, because the way you live in life is truly how you view life in your mind. And I truly believe that because, Jason, I've been to the southern Philippines where I lived in that grass hut, man. We didn't have running water. We didn't have any of that. And, you know, the local villagers, they were happy. Yeah. And I have friends that are millionaires, very successful men. They're not happy. So where, where, what is the problem, right? The problem is that you have to be able to disconnect. Right. So when I say that is, think about it, man. If you, there was a monk, there's a story of a monk that, uh, that he monitored, he monitored the way that he thought every day. That means subconsciously, you're always thinking there's always things going on in your mind. You may not notice it. Right. And that's what triggers, like, let's just say subconsciously, you're thinking about your past and maybe it's tied to some emotion. Well, dude, your, your body doesn't know if it's real or not. It doesn't know if you're in this situation or not. Your mind produced it, and that's the reality of your body. That's why you feel stress and you feel anxieties and you feel anxiousness all through your whole body. You know, in the martial arts, they talk about you must think with your whole body. And I realized that early on. So the only way that I know, and I I study a lot when it comes to, you know, um, the mind, you know, and uh, meditation was the only way that I knew how to slow down my brain brain waves, right? And also be able to uh, train my mind to, to basically combat the subconscious, right? Because if I can... I don't know if I could stop my mind from thinking about the past because the past, man, you know, this, there's a neurological mm-hmm. pathway, right? So every time you're thinking about it, you're building this neurological pathway in your mind. Well, your body is a program. It's just going to react to that, to whatever your mind is thinking. And if you're thinking about stress and you're thinking about the past because you can't let go of something, you couldn't move on. Then I would say meditation is the way to move past that. I, I like the chemical um, when you have to bring up the, the brain's chemical reactions, everything. I've had some guests on. We talk about TBI. We talk about stress. We talk about stress management. Uh, but you have to realize that you do have a lot going on in your mind. And you also have the adrenaline factor. You know, the first part of my career was all southwest border stuff. And I used to love that adrenaline. I used to love waiting for the call, waiting for the chirp, waiting for anything that's going to call me out to go to do that action. And, uh, but you get to a point where you're like, okay, when do I have to stop proving myself to myself, who I am? You know, do we have to wait till we're damn near 50 years old? I mean, it's nice if you could figure it out earlier. And, and I think it is, man, you know, the older we get, the wiser we get. we're not, we're not physically strong as in our twenties, you know, in our twenties, we have that, that energy. Well, you know, I can speak from my path. I had the energy of fire. You know, yeah. I was willing to take on all the hard events. I was willing to do whatever it took to get to the top. But, you know, now that mm-hmm. I'm in my 40s, 
you know, it's about reflection. Yeah. Right? To reflect back on the past and to think, not in, not to trap my mind in the past, but to reflect back on the past and to understand things in a deeper level. You know, because, man, you know, when I was two years old, I was drifting out in the ocean. You know, they were throwing dead bodies over the ocean. Mm-hmm. Dying. We, we were left to yeah. die out by the ocean. And, you know, when I drifted out there, you know, the... When, when you study things, they say the human, a person develops their their core values at two to four years old. Yeah. So I was taught the lesson of survivability and humanity because the Russians came and saved us when we were drifting out in the oceans, ready to die. But it was also the Russians that took me out of my country, that took away my freedoms. And that taught me that not everybody's the same, man. You know what I mean? And you know, we have to serve humanity. We have to look past the differences of each other's cultures and beliefs and life. Because in the end, we're all underneath. We, we all live underneath the same heavens, man. Yeah, I think now uh, I'm glad you bring up your past. And I like and that's one of the reasons I really like talking to you uh, besides that. But now we have a chance to, you know, we're older. We've learned a lot. And now you're taking that into the training spectrum. So now you could take all those lessons learned uh, through world traveling, through direct action, through FID, through whatever you've done throughout your career and your childhood and kind of teach this new generation. And there's a way that, um, you know, you and I were talking, I I like bringing up our conversation because we had a great one about how everything really just comes down to decision-making and everything kind of always falls back to the MDMP. And it doesn't matter if you are enlisted officer or whatever, you've all dealt with the decision-making process. And in the military, it's the MDMP, military decision-making process and the OODA loop, the good old fashioned OODA loop, you know, it's, but, you know, there are ways to streamline all the decision making, but teaching people how you've handled decisions based on your 20, 30 years now experience um, is, is, is key to this new generation. Is that, is that what's affecting Ronin tactics? You're, you're coming up with not just tactics, but it's the gear, it's the lessons learned. It's building the team that's going to go on and teach these. So you're like now the warrior master. You're the Ronin master. Well, you know, I feel like life is about sharing, right? And how can we better this world if we don't share? If if I drifted out in the ocean and I watched my uncles get gunned down, I lost my freedoms as as a as a human being, and I became an American and fought, you know, longest war in American history. What came out of it? You know, what What lesson came out of it that I can better the world? You know, when I talk to law enforcement officers, you know, I talk about training. You know, they always said to me, well, you know, they're out of flat range, they're, they're, they're training, they're shooting. But I can I can talk about adrenaline. I can talk about, you know, uh, I could talk about handling stress at the life and death level. So how do you train to that intensity at the peace time? You know? Um, I taught them heart rate monitors. I taught them high intensity training when it comes to shooting and tactics and all that. So I'm giving my knowledge in that arena to law enforcement and uh, same with law enforcement. I had some guys that's been in, in shootings, officer shootings, right? Where they had to take a life. Well, I'll tell you, Jason, you know, for me, it wasn't easy to take a life. 
you know, I, I love life. I value life. You know, I look at the beauties in the world and I don't want to take life, but, you know, in order to give life, you have to suppress evil. Right. And I help officers overcome that mentally, you know, because a lot of them, you know, they, they have a human side to them. They're, they feel whatever, you know, the stress of a gunfight, whatever. And, and I feel I can help them. And I can also talk to a college student about going to college because, man, I graduated from college fighting wars, you know, and uh, I could talk about the struggles and everything. So what I'm saying to you is I give myself, you know, I give myself in equipment and knowledge. I give myself in tactics. I give myself as a human being and I, and I admit my mistakes, you know what I mean? If I can admit my mistakes, then I can grow from it. You know what I mean? And, and also we can, we can show others that, Nobody's perfect, man. You know, nobody's perfect in this world, and we shouldn't judge others. You should judge yourself, but you shouldn't judge others, you know? And um, and that's why I apply to the world in my teachings. It's more than just tactics, because you know where it's more than just tactics and weapons. Mm-hmm. It's a life. It's a path. It's a oath. You know, it's a code. So, yeah. Know. And it's um, the one thing, you, you know, you always bring up in your website and everything is invincibility and that feeling of invincibility. It can go two ways. You know, it could make you stupid where you just, you know, hey, I'm just going to knock on the door. I'm going to kick it down. I'm going to go right through it. I'm not going to think twice. Or it could be like, OK, I got this. We're going to do this. Let's do it. I like that, man. Uh, one thing I'd like that you brought up in your last thing was evil, you know, there is evil out in the world. And I wish, I wish more people realized it. Um, there truly is evil people out there just have no moral compass and it will kill you in a heartbeat. And as um, growing up in our, in our society here, I mean, you've seen different evil, you've seen it from a young age, but a lot of people don't realize it is out there and training that or making people realize that is a great lessons learned. And especially with you going overseas and confronting it firsthand, do you bring that into your training? Oh, absolutely. You know, I talk about, you know, because the warrior's path is deeper than, like I just said, teachings of weapon. What was purpose? You know, and for me, dude, I, I've been to the Philippines and the triple canopy jungles to all the way to Africa, to the Middle East, to Europe, you know, Southeast. You know, so what I'm saying mm-hmm. Is that you know I I travel the world man, and I've seen the different cultures, and I, I can tell you there is evils, because people are still being enslaved, people are still being there's still acts of genocide, you know this mm-hmm. tribe doesn't like this tribe, well we saw the aftermath of it, so you know I just the thing about this is that if I can give, you know kindness to in my teachings like. That's what a warrior is about, right? It's compassion. Why else yes. would we go? Why else would we go overseas to fight for people we don't know? It's compassion, and that's that's the deeper teachings of a warrior, right? You uh, you brought up the exact word I was looking for: compassion. Uh, it's the truth, man, and especially in the law enforcement world where you're dealing with not only. Uh, well, this is the, the military world. So you you run into a lot of innocent victims, uh, victims of evil, and you're just like, man, 
how can someone do that to this just perfect soul? And then you're just like, man, uh, what can I do to, to not make this happen again? And that's what you really do need training. And that's when you really do need training. A lot of times you can't do this on your own. You can read all the books in the world, but until you get with a group of people and you kind of do the old fashioned embrace the suck together, um, really drive your body to its top level, uh, mentally and physically, uh, sometimes you just don't learn. No. Um, you could learn, I could learn through reading books. Yeah. But that's, that's book knowledge. But until I feel that sweat, feel that, that shared suck, then uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Is that kind of what your philosophy is? Is like when you, when you train people, push them. I'm just teaching in my own method, right? And my mm-hmm. method is very martial art based. I started martial art when I was eight. And martial art is not about just movements. You know, it's a, yep. it's a life. It's a code. It's a path. And, you know, if you apply that code to your life, you even said it. You're like, there's a lot of evils out there. Well, Jason, there's a lot of evils out there because not everybody lives by a code. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not everybody lives by that. And um, and to me, if you don't live by some kind of higher principle, then man, you're you know, you don't you don't believe in anything. So, you know, let's just say you 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 train in the arts of lethality or you don't believe in anything. So you're just a walking loaded weapon that's mm-hmm. that doesn't can't different besides evil and what is good, you know what I mean? And um, and we see that during the war, you know, like when we conduct close quarters combat, you know I mean, gosh, man, you have milliseconds, milliseconds to decide life or death, you know? So as a human being who values life, mm-hmm. it was, it was very, it was a very difficult time. Well, I'm glad you're out there doing the good things, man. Uh, you have been for your whole life. And uh, now we have to get into the really tough questions. I have to ask it. My son's out there playing it. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk about Blades. I don't know what it is, man, but what is it with the community that we all love Blades? Good, solid steel. I mean, I just cannot get enough, man. Can you ever have enough? Seriously. Well, you think about like the blades, right? You, have blades. you know, that ties us back into our roots as warriors. You know, before the days of the way of the gun, it was the way of the blade, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like that's a connection to past warriors. Yeah. You know, for me, I mean, you see blades all over. You kind of see blades all over. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I collected weapons all around the world. You know, and I, I walk with a lot of different tribes of warriors, you know, from African to Asian to Middle Eastern. I mean, I, I've seen it, man. And the blade is a symbol of a warrior. You know, the lines are beautiful. The purpose is beautiful, you know. And, and that's what intrigues me about a blade because it really ties me into history and it connects me to past warriors. Oh, I love it, man. I uh, I do. I'm like looking around. I have this awesome one I just got. Um, and don't ask me why, but it's a uh, it's a railroad spike. They turn yeah. into a blade, man. Nice. It's it's just and it's so sharp. I keep telling my daughter, I'm like, don't play with that. It's not a toy. And I'm like, I just keep ordering them all the time. I can't stop it. 
Now that we're talking about Blaze, you know, I was on the, the History Channel. I was on it. Yes, I saw that, man. Yeah, I saw it. On a TV show with Bill Gorber where I host, co-hosted a Blade show. And you know what's yeah. really unique, Jason, about that Blaze? You know, I was a Blade. I love Blaze anyways, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. I was tied into the Blade culture, not the, not the competition and yeah. the smithing. And, and, man, I tell you what, you know, it, life is about trying new stuff, right? Life is about living and, and doing the stuff that, I don't know, that kind of puts you outside your comfort zone, right? So when Hollywood got a hold of me, I was like, uh, I mean, they do what? They're like, yeah, I want you to co-host the show where guys are running through with a blade. And I'll tell you, man, I, I was uh, hesitant at first. It was more my insecurities, right? Uh, I would lived in a very uh, confined uh, world. In the special forces, a very secretive world, and now I'm going to expose myself to the world. You know, it was uh, exactly man. It was a lot to bring in, but I tell you what, man, I'm glad I did it because, man, gosh, I learned so much and I grew so much, and I I met so much great people in that community and people that I would never meet, you know, in in my path. You know, I'm uh, I'm fascinated by knife making. Yeah. By blade making. Um, one of my friends, well, you know, he has a, a company called Prince Gun Leather. So he makes um, awesome holsters, incredible leather holsters. His brother is a knife maker, a, a, um, a blacksmith. And looking at the Damascus ski, steel and everything, how they how he crafts it and these are one people shows you know they're they're over there doing this in their barn or or in their shop and the craftsmanship that goes behind a true blade that makes it almost indestructible is just that amazes me i mean and uh yeah man i can yeah i have to go back and rewatch the uh the show now man yeah i'm actually talking to you i'm like i yeah i forgot all about that too yeah, we went over to Forge and Fire where, you know, the competitors were forging the blade. You know, we were uh, mm-hmm. off of that show, Knife or Death. But I went into Forge and Fire and I, I met the, the crew. Of course, very yeah. good guys, great guys, so so knowledgeable in everything they do. But I, I met the competitors, you know, and it made me really intrigued because in, in uh, Forge and Fire, they give you like nails and they're like, hey, make 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 a knife of this. They, they give you like a horseshoe. Here's a railroad spike, you know, turn yeah. it into an <laughs> so it really challenged, man, their creativity, you know, and uh, I found, I find that very fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I love those shows, man. If you go to my Instagram page, I'm following so many, like, you know, blacksmiths, knife makers, and I'm just like, I can't afford to buy them, man. I, because uh, <laughs> real good blades are not cheap. Oh, right, so, well, you can kind of... You're buying quality. Over yeah. time, this this side right here, you see the samurai swords, the tool samurai. Yeah, swords. yeah. So the top one is actually three hundred seventy-five years old. And I got oh my gosh! In Japan, but just to get it out of Japan, man, they had to get it approved through the country. Had to have a tax stamp. They had to be approved. You know, so just bringing that home was a uh, is a big ordeal. You know, and that should tell you that you know blades. It's tied into cultures and history, uh-huh. and it's part of the country. Yeah. Well, let's let's do this. I uh, I've got this handy dandy stream yard here. 
let's bring up the Ronin blade. Let's do this. If my internet connects, look at that, man. Yeah, the Sakura. Yeah. I love it. Well, I designed that back in 2006, and then Spartan Blades made it into reality. Uh, oh, so wow. they were my ex-teammates when I was in Japan. They were senior snipers when I first came to the assault teams. And uh, what's really cool is that I get to work with my ex-teammates and developing mm -hmm. works of art like that. You know? oh, I love it. I love the detail on there, man. Thank you. Thank you. Look at that. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you know, sakura means cherry blossom, you know, in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I named that sakura because man, life in every breath, right? And to embrace exactly. life and to live life in every breath. And you know, um, our life can be taken at any moment, you know, with the blades, so we must live full. And that's why I, I, yeah. I named it sakura because it's such a beautiful flower and a beautiful name. Very cool, brother. Well, now we have to come up with the Call of Duty. How did this happen? Because uh, here I am one day, I'm like, you know, because I, I love playing video games here and there. Because you know why? It's because it's my only so, – so I have – I used to have this awesome crew of people like truck drivers, Canadians, everybody you can imagine. We'd all just get together and just talk smack while we're playing. And now, like, my, my friend is in a uh, special agent. And the only way we really ever get to just talk smack is playing video games. Yeah. And I'm like – all of a sudden, bam, I, I've been following you on social media. Then I see you on there and, and all the other characters. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's a huge honor. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, I, I travel around the United States. I teach, you know, major law enforcement from East Coast to the West Coast. Uh, I'm known for my martial arts. I'm known for my gunfighting. Um, mm -hmm. So I had Infinity, Infinity War email me, and they said, mm -hmm. uh, really interested in you, big fan. And we like to capture your movements. And, uh, yeah. you know, we talked to them. It wasn't, you know, everything wasn't solicified yet. They were interested in me. Uh, I flew out to San Francisco. I was training their law enforcement. And they asked me to fly from San Francisco to L.A. Uh, so my wife and I, we flew into L.A. And I tell you, man, I met the Infinity War team uh, in a private tour. Um, I met their vice president, and that's when I was asked, you know, if I'd be interested in being an operator in, in the game. You know, so they had to scan in my body, you know, and everything else. So there was, um, I'll tell you, man, it was a train-up phase, you know, because you always wanted to present yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I, I trained really hard for three months to to look the part, and uh, and then we flew into LA, and we did all of our motion capture a lot of it was knife fighting tomahawks um, <laughs> we did swords you know and then the gunfights so. yeah i'm looking around i have a tomahawk around here somewhere I, and that's the other thing damn tomahawks I, I, is it growing up in the 80s i don't know man because i'm like the blade has always been around i love it man i love anything yeah, they do is it's a symbol of our roots to special ops. It is. Because special forces were taught by the Native Americans. You know, if you think about mm -hmm. robbers, rangers back then, um, and the, the hawk was it. You know what I mean? So I, I remember, you know, team guys carrying tomahawks overseas. You know, and uh, I was a big tomahawk blade guy uh, at one time. I trained with the natives. And, um, and that's one of my forms that I, I, I really enjoy doing. 
Oh, brother, I'm not going to hold you up long because I was going to get on a whole tangent about tracking. And I look because, you know, I think in Native Americans, because when I was at a Border Patrol, one of my favorite things ever was tracking. I went through uh, Malaysian tracking school. I, I hunted down. I was trained by the Malaysian commandos in uh, Pulada, Malaysia. And uh, fuck, man, a month and a half, I was in the jungles tracking. Yeah. I love tracking, man. And you could find some of the best trackers in the Border Patrol. You know, tracking in the middle of the night with a little, not the pen lights, but the little clip lights and just looking for a cut and sign, shadows, lines and shadows. I love it. I miss it. Um, Can I track nowadays? Eh, Give me a couple days. I'll get back up to it. I did did put a terrain model, like probably about four years ago for the kids. I put a terrain model together. And what I did was I I laid out um, a square and I showed them how weather affects tracks and how you could age a track through the shadows and through the, the crispness of the mud and how it falls and everything. And the kids, just the neighborhood kids got a trip out of it, man. I love it. Yeah. We, yeah. we need to track warm dirt. You know, the worms will come out and have warnings mm-hmm. defecate, you know, the dirt into the, yeah. uh, into the, the surface of the ground. And yeah. we talk about, you know, how moist it is, how where the sun is at, and how it dry, mm-hmm. what what corner it is drying, and we really can track yeah. down to the hour, you know. So yeah, it, I love it, man. We'll have to do a whole show on just tracking. Uh, you know who else was who got into the conversation was Jack Carr, um, the author. As soon as I bring up tracking, man, it's like I, I love it. I love I could talk tracking all day long because I love hearing people's stories. Yeah, and it's really. Uh, with the strategy, right? And how you employ your men yeah. looking at the terrain and, and, and kind of mm-hmm. off of the tracks where you're moving to, you know? Yeah. it's awesome, brother. Well, I appreciate it. I could probably talk to you for another three hours, yeah. but, uh, and we'll have to, we'll have to do another show sometime, man. Yeah. I would love but to. We could find you at Ronin Tactics. We could find you on social media. I'll link to everything, but is there anything else you wanted to leave the audience with? You know, I just I, I just want to say hey, thanks, Jason, for for inviting me on, let me talking to your your viewers, um, and that's you know, life is about growing, right? Life is about sharing and and to be kind to one another. You know, I think there's enough evil in this world, so yeah, I, I love your positive message that you send, Jason, and um, you know, thank you for having me on. Thanks, brother.